This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. Just a reminder that Gabe Wrench, the Waterboy, and I will be gone the rest of this week in Canada. So no Daily News Brief after today. I know, I know, but not to worry, ladies and gentlemen. Assuming Gabe and I don't get arrested up north, I'll be back bringing you the news next week. And I mean, if I'm in a jail cell, that's some news right there. So... Without further ado, let's get to today's news brief. And before I do, let's stop to take a moment to talk about the Fight, Laugh, Feast Club membership. By joining the Fight, Laugh, Feast Army, not only will you be aiding in our fight to take down secular and legacy media, but you'll also get access to content placed in our club portals, such as past shows, all of our conference talks, and exclusive content for club members that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Lastly, you'll also get discounts to our conferences. So, if you've got 10 bucks a month, to kick over our way, that's all it is, you can sign up right now at FightLaughFeast.com. Again, that's FightLaughFeast.com. Greg Abbott to deploy National Guard gunboats to secure Texas border against invasion of illegal aliens. On Tuesday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced that he had invoked the invasion clauses of both the state and federal constitutions in an attempt to put an end to Biden's border crisis. In a statement posted to Twitter, Abbott explained that by treating the flow of illegal immigration as an invasion, Texas would be able to tackle the problem with unprecedented vigor. Quote, I invoked the invasion clauses of the U.S. and Texas constitutions to fully authorize Texas to take unprecedented measures to defend our state against an invasion, Abbott stated, adding that he's using that constitutional authority and other authorization and executive orders to keep their state and country safe. Abbott revealed that his government will deploy both National Guard and Texas Department of Public Safety to repel, turn back, and arrest those trying to enter the country illegally. In addition, he expressed intentions of constructing a border wall in multiple counties, deploying gunboats, designating Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. Abbott noted that Texas does not intend to act alone in this endeavor and will enter into agreements with other states and foreign nations to secure the border. Over 2 million migrant encounters were recorded in fiscal year 2022. McCarthy. We're going elsewhere now. McCarthy wins GOP nomination for House Speaker. Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy won the Republicans' designation for House Speaker on Tuesday, but questions remain over his ability to lock up the spot on the floor in January. McCarthy, Republican in California, beat back a challenge by more conservative elements in the House Republican Conference represented by Rep. Andy Biggs of Arizona. The final vote tally was 188 to 31. Most of Biggs' support came from the members of the hardline Houston Freedom Caucus. Biggs had previously chaired the group, which counts more than two dozen House Republicans among its membership between 2019 and 2022. McCarthy, meanwhile, was able to assemble a large cross-section of the House GOP conference behind his candidacy. That included conservative hardliners like Georgia uh, Georgia Representative Majority Taylor Greene and centrists like Rep. Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania. But the number of people who opposed him could cause trouble. Losing 31 means he is in serious danger of not having the votes in January, which could mean he'd need to drop out either that day or he could decide to before, said a senior aide to GOP leadership. At that point, others would pounce. 
To become Speaker in January, McCarthy will need at least 218 votes of the entire 435-member House is seated and voting. Currently, the potential Republican majority looks to be anywhere from 218 seats, the bare minimum needed to control the House, and 228 seats. The latter would constitute a sweep of the outstanding races, including some in which Democrats are favored, but still falls far short of the 60 seats McCarthy predicted it could be possible under a GOP wave that never materialized. Elsewhere, key inflation metric makes biggest jump since June. The October read on producer inflation showed some of the highest numbers in months on key indicators of price increases that have come as a result of the Biden administration and congressional Democrats' tax and spend agenda. Month over month, headline PPI inflation advanced 0.2% in October, the same as in September. Prices upstream from consumers increased a full 8% in the 12 months ending in October. The core PPI number that excludes more volatile foods, energy, and trade services also saw prices increase 0.2% for an annual advance of 5.4%. Some of the more alarming data points to the latest producer price index report include index for final demand goods, which advanced 0.6% in October, the largest advance since June when the metric increased 2.2%. The Biden administration's war on safe, cheap, and reliable energy has also taken a toll on inflation, as seen again in October's PPI report, in which most of the month-over-month increases can be traced to a 2.7% jump in prices for final demand energy. That was according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That was noted in its latest report. What's more, 60% of October's price increases for final demand goods are attributable to the index for gasoline, which jumped 5.7%. At the same time, prices also increased for diesel fuel, fresh and dry vegetables, residential electric power, chicken eggs, and oil and gas field machinery. The only potential bright spot in October's PPI report is the 0.1% decrease seen in final demand services, its first downward movement since November of 2020. However, final demand services exclude trade, transportation, and warehousing, increased by 0.2%. Moving on, bus carrying illegal aliens to arrive in Philadelphia this week. Philadelphia is preparing for the potential arrival of a busload of migrants coming from Del Rio, Texas, later this week. Exposed person for the city told Fox News that information regarding the bus and its arrival are still not clear. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney told NBC Philadelphia that the city would welcome the migrants with open arms, though he also remained unclear of the timeline. The city is confident that they have enough of a plan in place, including shelter, food, and clothing. There are also plans to try and expedite work permits for the migrants so that they may become self-sufficient sooner. Other self-proclaimed sanctuary cities have received migrant buses in the last few months, have reported being overwhelmed by the influx of illegal immigrants, so much so that a public emergency was declared. Texas Governor Greg Abbott first announced that he would be transporting busloads of migrants out of Texas back in April. He has since sent out hundreds of migrant buses to sanctuary cities across the country. The 300th bus filled with migrants from Texas left for Chicago last week. The migrant buses have been dismissed by Democrats as simply a publicity stunt. But Abbott insists that this moves to relieve the pressure from the overwhelmed border towns that take the brunt of Biden's failing immigration policies. Now a word from our sponsor, Classical Conversations. Classical Conversations supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview and fellowship with other families. They provide a classical Christ-centered curriculum, local like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and they train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. 
For more information and to get connected, please visit their website at classicalconversations.com. Again, that's classicalconversations.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for my favorite topic, sports. But unfortunately, this is some bad sports news as U.S. soccer embraces acts of grave depravity by making the traditional crest rainbow-colored to support and embrace the LGBTQ community. It's nice to see that soccer has come out as gay. As reported by the Daily Mail, USMNT's chief communications officer, Neil Buth, explained the decision to include the rainbow crest as, quote, part of their approach for any match or event they include rainbow branding to support and embrace the lgbtq community as well as to promote a spirit of inclusiveness and welcoming to all fans across the globe he added as a result locations they will manage and operate at the fifa world cup such as the team hotel media areas and parties will feature both traditional and rainbow u.s soccer branding bueller provided another statement to reuters explaining the rainbow crest saying their rainbow badge has an important and consistent role in the identity of U.S. soccer as a part of their approach for any match or events. They include rainbow branding to support and embrace the LGBTQ community, as well as to promote a spirit of inclusiveness and welcoming to all fans across the globe. That sounds familiar. He then reiterated, as a result, locations... Yeah, you get the idea. He said the same exact thing, such as the team hotel, media areas, parties, etc. Well, USMNT coach Greg Berhalter also addressed the rainbow flag being displayed at the team's training facility in Qatar. Thanks, Michael. Hey, Greg. Um, if memory serves, Weston said something on the day of the roster reveal about him having a, a setback. So I was just wondering if you could give us an update on his condition. I know he's not here, but um, you, what do you know about his recovery? I think it's going really well from, from everything we heard. He's been training, training the team yesterday. Um, wasn't in the squad, but um, we expect him to have you shut that up. We expect him to um, be full in training. Thank you. Hi, Greg. 20 years ago, you were about to play your first World Cup match. What can you recall from that week, and how can you translate that experience to the players a week prior to the debut against Wales? Yeah, you know, um, the way the way I look at this is we can say anything we want. I can give them any type of experience that I've had, but I know this group, and they're not really going to know until the whistle blows against Wales, and that's going to be part of it. Um, you know, we're, we're sticking to the values of who we are in the t- as a team, what we want to accomplish in this tournament, and, and then we, um, we get ready to go. We know that World Cup games are highly competitive. We know that winning World Cup games are very difficult, and, um, you know, that's going to set the stage for how we compete in this tournament. Hey, Greg, thanks for your time. Um, when you look at this team, only one player, DeAndre Yedlin, has been to a World Cup game in a uniform before. Um, Germany did a little bit of a similar rebuilding about 15 years ago. But is there a advantage, a disadvantage to having a group start this cycle all together new and, and the job that you and Dave did rebuilding this team? Where is it now? You know, um, I can sit up here and tell you basically anything, right? I can say it's an advantage, disadvantage. It, it just doesn't matter, though, right, because it is what it is. And, you know, we're going to get this group ready to play, ready to compete. And, um, you know, that's just the, the nature of what, what we're working with. 
What I would say is that you know we're pleased with how this group has been rebuilt. We're, we're pleased with the, the core of this team. We think that the core of this team has a ton of potential, and um, you know just excited to get the tournament started. Sam Seskel. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Greg. Um, a lot of teams have had guys go down with injuries in the run-up to the World Cup. You guys have stayed relatively healthy, with the exception of a couple of center backs that have the long-term injuries. Specifically, uh, Christian, Gio, Weston, although he's dealing with his knock, Tyler, and Eunice, I believe, have never actually played together at the same time on the field in a game. What is having them in camp... Uh, what kind of possibilities do you think that opens up? Not just those guys, but some of the other guys that are that are figured to play big roles. And and how do you feel about the health of the team going into the tournament? Yeah, I think with with um, the players that we projected to be healthy, I think we're pretty good. You know, obviously with Wes, uh, we're gonna look at him tomorrow. Uh, we expect him to be okay, but we'll see. Um, but that's exciting. I think as we go through this tournament, our goal is to get stronger. Our, um, our goal is to have players on the field that can that can complete the actions that we're looking for on the field, and to have that group of players um, potentially together on the field is exciting. You know, we know there's a lot of talent there, um, and it's good that we're we're getting to full health now. Do you want him to go? No, go ahead, Brian. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Um, one of the things that we talked a bunch about during qualifying was was planning ahead, one game at a time, rotation, focus. These three games come pretty quickly. How much of this week is going to be devoted to drilling down on Wales and preparing for Wales? And, and how much ahead of that game are you sort of also thinking about principles and, and, and patterns and formations and players you might want to look at for the Iran and, and England games? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, we hope that uh, we can use this this week effectively. We have four training sessions this week, uh, three left, and then we go two before the game against Wales. But we're going to work on on both of these things. I mean, t today we, we we got some good work in on the field, and um, you know we'll start to give them some detail about about Wales and how we're going to um, look to play against them, and then uh, then we'll move forward and focus on England and Iran. But for us, it is yeah, for, yeah. For us, it is um, important that we we do put focus into this into this Wales game. Um, but we'll also be working on on general concepts that we always work on. So it will be it will be both. Stephen, up front. What, uh, Greg? What's it like? Um, this facility, the hotel facility. It seems like you you hit the jackpot maybe in a way and and be able to secure these. These venues um, and what? How does all this benefit? Yeah, no, it's. I, I, we really like it. You know, that's why we were here in 2019, um, in September of 2019, looking for at these venues because um, it was important to try to get it right. And um, we feel like this is a good combination of hotel and and training facility. Um, but I haven't seen the others, so it's very difficult for me to compare. Greg, I know you've been here before, um, but for the players, it's the first time here. What have the first few days here have been like? The first impression, first time you've been here with your team. I mean, how's it been? Have they adjusted to the, the heat, the facilities? 
the hotel, the whole environment. Thanks. Yeah, so we're gradually getting guys in. Right Today we have um, 22 of the 26 players. By tonight we'll have all 26. But first impressions, talking to the guys, they, they like the facility, they like the, um, the hotel. And so it's a good sign. You know, we went to a lot of lengths to make it um, accommodating, to create the type of environment that the, the players are used to. And understanding that we want to be here for a long time, so we want to make it comfortable for them. Be the Change was started in the wake of George Floyd's death, the U.S. soccer website explains. Back in late 2020, following the death of George Floyd and the continued importance of the Black Lives Matter movement, the U.S. men's national team players came together and had conversations about the social injustices that exist at home and across the world. The message doesn't just include promotion of the violent Black Lives Matter movement that destroyed numerous cities and lives that have still not recovered to this day. The promotion of the immoral LGBTQ lifestyle that catechisms declare as acts of grave depravity and intrinsically disordered. But it also spawned into an anti-self-defense campaign. By the way, if the U.S. really wanted to make a stand as opposed to just virtue signaling, how about you just not play? Don't go to Qatar. What about instead of virtue signaling, we saw some virtue doing. But no, that would get in the way of the U.S. bottom line. Just a thought. Even though homosexuality isn't virtuous. In any case, this has been your Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership, sign up for a magazine at Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine, head on over to FightLaughFeast.com. As always, if you want to email me a news story, ask about our conferences, or become a corporate partner of CrossPolitik, head on over to my email, garrison at FightLaughFeast.com. So go ahead and email me there, garrison at FightLaughFeast.com. For CrossPolitik News, I'm Garrison Hardy. I will see you next week. Until then, Lord bless.